Hey there. This episode originally aired on my Patreon many months ago, so some of the information might be a little bit outdated by now. If you'd like to check out episodes as soon as they come out, you can join my $3 tier over there, or you can subscribe to check out full episodes coming here eventually. Either way, the choice is yours. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Pat's Creative Podcast, episode 15, I believe, if I am remembering correctly. Uh, But as you can tell, this is actually a very, very special episode, because for the very first time on Pat's Creative Podcast, I am interviewing a paper bag. And it's a paper bag known as none other than Rasputin. Rasputin, would you care to introduce yourself to the people out there? Hey, I'm the bag. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am Rasputin. I am a a YouTuber, primarily a video essayist who does largely stuff about games, but also just stuff I like in general. Like I've done, I've done a video on a musical, so, you know, it goes deep. (laughs) Um, if you know me, there's a good chance it's because of my gaming for non-gaming series, uh, which is kind of where where I got got uh, my channel moving forward the most, which is where I have my wife uh, play video games and and critique how someone who didn't grow up playing video games uh, experiences them. Right. So yeah, that's kind of my base, it, I guess. It's a very fascinating format, too, by the way. I, I It's one of those things that I'm sure you've had these things, too, where you watch someone else do it and you think, oh, man, I wish I thought of that because that's such a, a neat idea mm-hmm. or whatnot. Um, but yeah, uh, uh Obviously, I'm also currently animated. That's just because uh, we're both animated today. I figured if he's going to be animated, I want to be animated as well. And I uh, don't have to worry about setting up a camera or anything like that. Um, but to go into a little bit as to how I've discovered Rasputin, I will be honest in saying that I have I've not been, uh, you know, there since day one. Right. Um, <laughs> but I have definitely seen you around through actually a lot of Snow's content because I've been watching Snow for okay. quite a while now. Um, and uh, recently you let out a tweet saying that you were going to react to some people's videos for some honest uh, feedback. I submitted mine on a whim, and even though I missed the stream, I woke up to finding out that you did actually do some feedback, and I very much appreciate that. Um, And, uh, of course, now we're here talking, talking about creative stuff. And since you kind of brought up the the gaming videos specifically, because I know you have like a little bit of a wider range of other videos out there, Mm -hmm. but to kind of start with the the gaming range, a lot of your videos kind of uh to- like hone in on individual it's individuals experiences with specific games even if it's like your wife's or your own um and you you also talk a little bit about or talk a lot about like the the more minuscule uh aspects of games to questioning whether or not they're even worth it right like questioning mm-hmm. just game design in general would you say that there's a general goal that these videos kind of aim towards is it something about almost trying to better an industry is it just voicing concerns that you've had or or venting frustrations like would you say all your videos play into a any kind of particular outcome you're hoping for um that's a good question i think largely they they start as a way for me to better understand games and you know by by i I play a game and then i feel a certain way right Sure. And I could just feel that way and not think about it. <laughs> right. You know, I could be like this, this game made me, I didn't enjoy this, you know, and I could walk away and say this game bad, but instead, like, I think it starts with wanting to figure out like what, what is the centerpiece that is making me either enjoy a thing or not enjoy a thing. Um, right. So I think that's, that's part of it. I also think with each of my videos, 
I'm trying to uh, put energy out into the universe to have my perfect game be designed by someone, you know? Sure. Because uh, I'm not a designer, so <laughs> I don't have the skills yet or probably ever to 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 make a great game. But um, there's like that idea of a perfect game out there that you're kind of mm -hmm. hoping you can contribute towards through videos and having people have a better understanding of design. Yeah, yeah. And I think also just with the gaming for a non-gamer series specifically, you know, which is so much about the perspective of someone who, who is very outside of the gaming space, you know? Right. Um, the idea of that is, yeah, looking at accessibility um, and, and looking at like who games are made for and is that okay still? You know, because I, I think some of the things I bring up in those videos are, are very like, it's hard to say that the issues that non-gamers have or that my wife has while playing a game is like a flaw with a game, right? Sure. It's not designed for her. It's not designed for non-gamers. Right. But I think there's plenty of non-gamers that want to get into it. So it's like, how? Right. <laughs> how right. do you figure out how to do it if most modern games are just not designed right. for them? So you're, you're kind then, of raising awareness of between different demographics and trying to build bridges between them, trying to kind of unify yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I suppose so. I don't know that I've thought about it in that sure. in those terms, but it sounds really nice. <laughs> <laughs> in a perfect world, that does sound yeah. very nice. Yes. Um, so then, um, when when you go about making your videos, do you usually? You said that you like usually find something small, and then you want to actually think about it and figure out why you feel a certain reaction to it. Um, mm -hmm. Is, is, do you think that's where you, the initial like spark of inspiration comes from just through randomly playing and finding a certain mechanic that you're like, this would be something to talk about on a broader level? Or where do you think in general your inspiration comes from for these videos? Um, it, it depends. I think it's changed throughout the years as I've gone from like this being a hobby to this being a profession. Right. Um, because now I'm kind of like, well, I need... A video or two every month uh sure <laughs> you know uh so that kind of changes the focus at times not all the time right uh, but certainly there's times where i'm like well i need a video i don't necessarily have like an idea i'm super passionate about but here are some things i could talk about so you know in those cases it's kind of like um just like i i need to keep my creative wheels moving instead of trying to always focus for that like gem this is going to be my best right. video you know <laughs> yeah um, you can't wait for like once in a lifetime inspiration to strike mm -hmm. every month right you kind of have to be mm -hmm. looking for something yeah sometimes you just have to make a video on among us because <laughs> it's just whatever whatever you enjoyed the game enough and you have some thoughts about it it's not going to be a video you look back on in three years and be like this was my best work this was really inspired but like it's it's it keeps you writing it keeps you editing you know like it keeps right. those uh, creeps skills moving forward. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's like exercising your creative muscles regardless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even like with the among us one, um, well, obviously among us is a, a pretty trendy thing or at least was at the time. I don't know if it still is. I'm yeah. not super in the loop, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that you still found a, a kind of a, a more, an area of the game that not a ton of people discuss about. You can still find mm -hmm. something that's not often brought up. Uh, specifically with the the deception between people, right? Um, yeah. So I and I, I think that's there's something to be said about that of of you taking these smaller aspects of games, but then 
showing them in a in a, a more applicable light something that's as putting it more meaning to it in a way mm-hmm. um and i think that's what's really cool about your videos it makes you stand out over a lot of other creators um and uh you know but as you mentioned you you still upload uh about once a month right and um now that's not that's not the the most infrequent schedule right there's some channels that take much longer no, yeah but i'm curious what do you think are the biggest reasons for the time in between uploads do you find um, like that you you have trouble like sticking with projects do you find that you procrastinate a lot or do you find that you just want to make sure everything you're like a perfectionist in a sense we want to make sure everything is is very tied up i think probably the last one it's also just like a um A need right like I only need to make the amount of videos I make right you know <laughs> and I feel like I work a lot of hours you know to get what I get out because yeah I try to focus a lot on writing something well uh, sure and writing it from a perspective that's interesting um, and then yeah I, I think I, I focus a lot I mean, that's the step that takes the longest, right? Is brainstorming an idea and writing an idea. Because I think my favorite videos that I make, kind of going back to the first thing you had asked, is like like I I have a thought and then I can't stop thinking about it and then I see examples of it everywhere. So an example of a video that was like that is my uh, Color of Corruption, which is about like how the color purple is used in video games, oftentimes as like a corruptive force. Right. it's like I saw that I was playing Ori in the Will of the Wisp and I saw that being used a lot. And I was like, huh, these other games do that, too. And like I just start, kept playing other games and be like, wow, all these games are using the same thing. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, so then I played a bunch of games for research. I read a lot of articles about purple throughout history, you know, and then right. and then wrote the piece. So like stuff like that, just it just takes a while, even though it's a, yeah. it's a 10 minute video. Right. It's just like a lot of work went into making it an interesting idea uh, and and moving it forward. So it's like I could put out more stuff pretty easily. I mean, it's easy to put out stuff, right? Right. (laughs) Maybe not great stuff, uh, but it's easy enough to do it. You click a Um, a button and then you wait for a loading bar to happen, right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I want to be largely happy with what I put out. Sure. um, And make something that I want to watch. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I end up putting a lot of time into these things because I like being involved in different parts of the creative process. I, I put a lot of time just because I want to make sure I, I do it right. Sure. <laughs> um, and, yeah, also, I don't know. I've, I've had a fair bit of success sure. with the schedule I'm on. And I know, I, I know that if I made more videos and uploaded more, I'd be more successful probably that's usually how it goes because uh at at a point when when you have an audience big enough consistency is more uh more important than creativity and that's something i've heard lots of people say um and obviously if i just started uploading daily content people would be like what are you doing Right, right um but that general idea you know if i was uploading a video a week or a video every two weeks uh youtube would like my channel and the algorithm more you know my my subs would be more engaged and all these things um so i'm like i could be more success successful but i'm also like pretty dang happy right <laughs> where i'm at so i think that's probably part of it too 
Uh, not to say I don't ever procrastinate. Sure. I, I certainly do that. Um, and, and do you, do you yeah. find like in the brainstorming process, you might find that an idea just won't work for a certain video. Like, have you had to scrap any projects because of that? Uh, yeah. So like the, the among us idea, the among us video to keep coming back to that, uh, actually was a script I had mostly written like four years ago. Um, when, when like, uh, different, different, not on among us, base games, right? Not on among okay. us. Yeah. Yeah. Not on among okay. us. It was about like, it, it was largely about like the resistance. If you've ever played that game. Oh, and, I love and, the uh, resistance. Secret Hitler in those games. Right. Um, so a lot of the ideas from that, I moved over to the Among Us idea because I was like, oh, it works now. Yeah. <laughs> like, because uh, Among Us uh, addressed a few of the things that I felt like was missing from that script. Right. Uh, and I was like, oh, this this was the piece. So yeah, I, I've certainly had things that I've either shelved for actual years before bringing back around. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of a lot of stuff recently that I've scrapped. Sure. Um, or at least that I've scrapped like, like after working on a bunch, I certainly have just a dock of ideas right? that I could make at any time. And sometimes I'll be thinking about ideas more and then sometimes I'll put them to the side. Sure. But. Okay. And, uh, for many of your videos nowadays, you, you have an editor. Is that correct? Um, say like a third, a third. Okay. I think I'm trying to think. So I put out 16 videos in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think of the 16 videos, I edited 10 of them. Okay. So, um, that, oh, that's interesting. So you, you have an editor, but, uh, you, they're not for every video. Did you, did you kind of have like any concerns when coming to the decision of hiring an editor uh, with regards to like just ownership or, or making, trying to present your thoughts through someone else's uh, medium in a sense, like, has that something that's ever been concerned you? And is that why you still edit some of your own videos or what's, what's kind of the thought process behind that? Um, so yeah, the first time I ever did stuff with an editor was like 2017. Right. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Jesse Grasha, uh, and I were originally going to start like a collabed channel. Um, that was that was going to be in the uh, the realm of like Vox stuff. It was going to kind of feel like what Vox was doing at the time. Sure. Because uh, we really liked that editing style and uh, the way that they tackled subjects. And and we made a f like two or three videos where. Uh, like I was typically the writer and he would do the editing for him, but he also did some of the writing too, uh, on one, one of the ideas. And we hit a point where we're like, yeah, we don't have time for this. Like, sure. <laughs> we were both working jobs uh, outside of YouTube. We we're like, okay. Um, but that was the first time we had, uh, I'd worked with someone who like edited things I wrote. Right. Um, and, and those videos ended up being like transitioning to stuff that I, both of us posted on our own channels. Um, and then, yeah, there, I, I, I got a little traction on the Rasputin channel after a while. Um, and, and by and yeah, then so you were pretty accustomed to that collaborative form of work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think, I think it, 
definitely felt weird <laughs> when I was first, when it first happened. Sure. Right. Right. Um, just because you very much like have, um, I think early on, especially in create in creation, there are a lot of kind of, there's like this journeyman feel, right? Like everyone right. wants to be like, I do everything. I, yeah. I, I have complete control and there's value in this because I've done right. every part. Of and and you've already mentioned that you like your videos to be perfect. You like to have like, you, you hold a certain standard for your own videos. So it's hard to not entirely nitpick what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think though, I, 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 you know, I came to a point, uh, you know, I, and I've worked with a few different editors, um, it just in general, you know, whoever has availability for freelance stuff pretty much. Right. Um, and you know, what I've come to realize is all the people I've worked with are better at editing than I am. <laughs> uh, you know, like, yes. I, I think I'm fine. Sure. I, I can have a very clean look, uh, that flows well, but as far as making cool transitions, doing any sort of after effects animation, um, right. And also just having a vision. Yeah. There, there's just a vision uh, some editors have. Definitely. That it's just like, uh, uh, like they'll, they'll have an idea and then they'll be like, I've made this idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, I did a cross dissolve. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I felt the exact same way when I, when I interviewed Lee because you know, he, he's like a, like a master editor. He's just someone mm -hmm. who's almost perfected that craft. And when I see like, like his videos and I compare it to my own, it's like, I no longer feel like I'm an extremely good editor. Right. And obviously that's, yeah. it's, you know, there's always people in the industry who's better than you. It's just when you see people, people who's a editor by trade or a graphic designer by trade or whatnot, and, and you look at it and you compare it to your own, you can't help but feel like, oh, maybe, maybe this is not my particular trade. Right. So when you, mm -hmm uh hired an edit at some point you basically felt like they almost know how to handle this video better than i do with regards to the, the editing process uh yeah yeah i mean that's certainly part of it i think at this point um it's also just about time sure um i have a lot of things i like to do and i only have so much time to do them sure. so while, while yes, a benefit of hiring an editor for something is like they can do things that I can't right? Um, and, and bring things to life in a way that I can't. It's also just like, well, I don't have time this week to, right. to spend 40 hours editing this video or right. whatever. Um, because so, video making is not your only creative outlet, right? You also work with some D&D &D stuff and you have a couple other mediums too, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I play D and D casually. I, I've also I, I tried running a D and D podcast. Um, something I'd like to come back to, but that's just one of those things where it's like I only have so much time. Sure. And 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 trying to get that out regularly um, makes it so it's a lot harder to get normal videos out regularly. Right. So it, it's kind of it's always a competition of time. And I'm and now that this is like my job it is it is my source of income right um and not just a hobby like i i have to think about it like in those terms sure yeah <laughs> where where any time that i'm not working on rasputin stuff um you know that that 
could be potentially yeah. harmful uh, down the line. And I'm I'm sure it would be another case if you had a job that wasn't in creating and and your hobby was like uh, running D&D campaigns and whatnot, because that would be kind of become your creative outlet. But when you're already mm -hmm. creating for your job, I feel like it's it's almost harder to entirely balance every kind of creative creative avenue when you have to focus specifically on one, at least to my understanding. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so to to degree. I, I think also, especially with the D&D podcast that I was doing is like when I started viewing D&D &D as something I could make, you know, some capital C content with. Um, I like and, that capital and, C content. <laughs> That's good. I want to use and, that. <laughs> and, and just, yeah, view it, viewing it in those terms. I found it a lot harder to just play D&D &D for fun. So I'm kind of also in this spot where I'm like, yeah, I liked working on that podcast because I think it made a really cool, creative product. Right. And it was fun to do. And also, like, yeah, I think if I was able to keep with it enough, it could be it could be something that, you know, maybe at some point, like, doesn't take up so much. Like, I, I hopefully it could pay for itself or something, you know, right. just just make make enough where uh, I can just run a game and be able to uh, hire someone to edit it and put it out. And and if it breaks even that'd be great sure you know because because <laughs> uh, then at least it you know it, it gets to exist and that would be really exciting for me but at the same time when i'm thinking about D, &D as like as like something that other people will watch right um then that makes it so whenever i'm running a personal game i have to think of like well would these ideas i'm using be good content in the podcast should, should i be should i be wasting my stuff right. in this group of just four people yeah. there's only four people playing so that means there's only four people watching <laughs> you know and it's like oh right. i hate that like i i hate that i'm doing that to yeah this this hobby that i have that that i love and love to do sure. and the value of that hobby is not how many other people are watching it or engaging with it but once you start to to, you know, maybe try to monetize your hobby or, or just have it be like a thing that is put out to the public for people to watch. You, you can't entirely um, turn off the performance of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't. Uh, and I, so, yeah, I'm sure you've felt that way with streaming, too, right? Where sometimes yeah. when you're playing games, you <laughs> kind of kick yourself for even just doing commentary in your head while you're playing and stuff like that. Yeah, I think... Um, to to a degree, I, I think how I stream has shifted a lot. Uh, I think a lot of people who start with a YouTube channel and go over to streaming are like, all right, I play games. Right. This is my channel. I play games. I need to play games to get ideas for stuff, and I need to capture footage for stuff. Sure. So if I just stream that, that'll be great, and people will want to watch it. Sure. Um, and that works for some people. Right. Uh, not for everyone, though. Uh, Definitely not. I think it's hard to make it on Twitch doing that because uh, because people people on Twitch at this point really only watch games if you're really funny, which I'm not, or if you're really, really good, good at, at the them. Game. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I'm also not. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm over two in the video game realm. Sure. So it, I've had to actually find uh, ideas that are just outside of it. Right. So right. so the whole feedback stream was kind of, uh, I mean, I, I stole that from, you know, bigger streamers who, who do that sort of thing. Sure. I was like, oh, that'd be a fun idea. Um, you know, those, I hadn't seen anyone really do that with video essay stuff. You sure. know, the, the stuff that that streamer was critiquing was mostly like 
other people's stream content. Yeah, um, sure. So yeah, I was kind of like, okay, but you, do this with video essays, give give my feedback to the best of my right. ability. Yeah. Because you have that insight and experience with video essays specifically, something that is often considered one of like the highest form of YouTube content, right? Like the, uh, the <laughs> idea of like something super scripted, edited well, um, and has a, mm -hmm. a neat point from the beginning to the end. And uh, you saw like, okay, if I'm not uh, inherently funny, which, uh, you know, you might be funnier than you imagine. Okay, I'm just saying big C for, or capital C content was pretty good. Um, and then, of course, uh, not being great at games, you still have some kind of experience that you can rely on and turning that mm -hmm. into content seems like a good idea. And actually, as of today, uh, you are now a Twitch partner too. So I assume yes, that you're going to be it. going a little heavier with streams as well. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I think I've, I've had fun trying to figure out what would be good ideas for um twitch stuff right you know because for a while i was just like i'll just use it to play games um and i wasn't seeing a ton of growth and then i figured like different ways like okay instead of just playing games do do a challenge right beat beat path of pain in hollow knight or or uh defeat the the sans boss fight like these things that are kind of hard that people really uh, like to watch others struggle with, you know, like sure. have that be the focus instead of it being like, here's my playthrough of Subnautica, which actually people liked that when I played that game because it's a good game. But, you know, it it's is. just there's a lot more downtime in something like that, right. whereas uh, you can kind of keep the energy up a lot more. Um, and ha have you have you uh, dabbled in any like Let's Play experience with just regular video gameplay format or... No, no, not really. Okay. I, I the closest thing is for the gaming for non gamer stuff. My, I mean, I record those entire sessions. Sure. Um, and I, I've I've you know sometimes cut those up to to uh, one of them is on the channel uh, of just like a best of clips. Sure. Uh, uh from from my wife's playthroughs and yeah, I've just cut up some other videos. Um of that stuff that I put on like Patreon and whatnot. So, uh, so that's the closest thing, but those, those really aren't let's plays because there's so much like dead air and there's so much like us right. talking about taxes, you know, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. We, we are not, we are not ever recording that. Like we are recording it for the moments that I can use right. uh, in the videos right. uh, and not for the whole thing to be an entertaining right. sort of let's play. And, and do you think, do you think, um, transitioning to streaming as opposed to let's playing is almost easier because um it's something where viewers go in for the sake of long-term content for the sake of sitting down for a long time and watching something like does that give you any kind of ease or comfort i i i think so i mean i think it's the value of streaming i think for a lot of people is the direct connection sure. you know, for better for better or worse um you know, in in the YouTube and, and Twitch era, parasocial relationships are are ultimately what what makes the platform creators viable. popular, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Um, you know, so I, I think people go to Twitch for for that interaction, and I, I think I'm a pretty chat reliant streamer. Sure, um, I, I try to keep up with chat, respond to chat. Uh, and, and I've been trying to find more ways to to include chat, right? Yeah. Like I've been running, um, 
uh, uh, yeah, you said you, you had Leon here, right. uh, kind of co-opting an idea from from the normal boots guys of of their madness series. I've been running <laughs> these brackets uh, of different topics, right? Yeah, uh, obviously they invented brackets, you know. Yes, yes, <laughs> so, yeah. I I believe if you look up brackets on Wikipedia, their names come up. Yes, um, but yeah, yeah, you know, I I I, I always liked. Um, any sort of competition like that, you know, yeah. at any time that you see, like, I don't know. I, I remember a few years ago, there was like, I think a big one of just like the best games ever. And it started at like 128 and then people would vote on it. Um, you know, every week and new stuff would come up. Out. Right. I just love stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's a fun format that gets people excited. So I've been doing that where then, you know, I'll have matchups and then have chat vote on who should move on. Right. Um, you know, so just finding ways to like include people. And I think that's what people like about Twitch yeah. that doesn't exist with a let's play is, right. is they are part of, you know, the development, the of, content, right? Yeah. yeah. And it, it's, it's really fascinating that, um, that's the part you like about Twitch when that's also an aspect that makes D and D so much fun, or at least specifically being a dungeon master, because it is mm -hmm. almost in a sense, a collaborative art that you're performing because you are mm -hmm. building things based off the decisions of the players, just like in streaming, you are acting depending on the decisions of the chat. Right. So that interactivity mm -hmm. can be found in both. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it's, it's also interesting that you specifically bring up the idea of madness because uh, I spent quite a bit of time on Lee's podcast talking about that. And I am also currently working on another ripoff, yes, um, of, of the idea. So that's when you know you have a really good idea when there's multiple mm -hmm. people just uh, being like, I want to do something like that. Um, but yeah, no, um, just to kind of go back to D&D &D a little bit, though, um, like what, what do you think? Because you you seem very interested in game design on your channel and whatnot. And obviously D and D involves a lot of game design. Do you think that the game designing aspects of D and D is something you prefer the most, or do you think it's more um, building a world or building a story or building characters? Like what do you think is the most fascinating part about being a dungeon master? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I am an English major. Okay. Um, which means that I have somehow fallen into the perfect career of writing essays, yes. which is just one for one what I did in college. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I got an English degree with with high hopes of becoming, uh, you know, the next great American author, as all of us do. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I like writing fiction. To, to, to jokes aside, yeah, I, right. I, I like to write fiction. I like short stories a lot. Um, and, and, you know, when I graduated, that's what I was writing a ton. Like I, I just would every day write a thousand words, Stephen King style, um, and, and make short stories and all these different things. And I found it was very hard to get anyone to read them. Um, Interesting. <laughs> as it turns out, like there's not a huge demand on the internet for those things right. I, in certain places. I mean, you have to format it to certain things. You know, I could probably find a subreddit like, uh, uh, what's it called? R slash no sleep, right? That's all just horror stories sure. and whatnot. You know, I could write stuff probably specifically for that and get some traction. And maybe that's, you know, what I should have done. But, you know, uh, it, it isn't what I did. Sure. And, and this is also why I started a YouTube channel is I was like, well, I want people to react to my writing and give me feedback on my writing. Right. And they're more likely to do it through watching a YouTube video than 
then here's my 20 page short story about, um, <laughs> please read and bring notes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so that's why I started that to transition to D and D stuff. D and D is essentially, you are telling your short stories or long stories. Yeah. I've been running a campaign for like 70 plus sessions. Sure. So it's, it's pretty long at this point. Right. And, and the, you know, three to six people playing are the most engaged audience you can think of that is a right? fascinating way to look at it yeah definitely they, yeah they, they because i mean they're part of it right so they feel invested because of their characters and they might view the story different than you do and that's okay any 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 audience is going to do that right um but, but i think that was a big appeal for me is like i'm essentially essentially putting my writing out right <laughs> and and seeing their reactions to it in real time yeah. and seeing uh, their reactions to it in the personal relationships that they've made to the characters, both right. their own and each other's and the ones I've created. Um, so that's always been the, I think a big draw to me is, is it gives me that feedback that I've always right. wanted, right? Not from, only from do you writing. have a captive audience, you have a captive audience who are voluntarily captive, right? Mm -hmm. Oh mm -hmm. man, I, that's such an interesting way to look at it. I, I never, I never thought of like specifically seeing the players as, uh, an audience who are, are like super engaged in the work that you are currently making right in front of them. Like that's, that's such a great way to look at it. Mm -hmm. It makes me excited just to <laughs> play D and D again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, but you, you kind of, you kind of said some interesting stuff about, about writing though. Um, do you, do you find that you read a lot of books still? Like, is that, are you an active reader or do you find that you enjoy stories told through more digital mediums or whatnot? Uh, I think, I used to be an active reader. Okay. I feel like since since my channel has um, turned into my job, right? I have read a lot less. So for the, kind of the, I guess the past year and a half, I feel like my and it might just be my free time and how I use my free time. But sure. yeah, my my reading time has has been greatly diminished, unfortunately. But yeah, before that, I'd say I was a pretty active reader. Right. And and do you have a preference for how books are consumed? Like, do you do you prefer to read them directly from a page? Or do you like listening to audiobooks? Or do you have anything against audiobooks? Or anything against reading on page? Uh, no, no, I have no nothing against either. I'd say I like to read books on page if I'm reading them for the first time. Okay. Um. Just because I feel like when, when I listen to something on an audiobook, a lot of time I'm doing something else as well. Right. Uh, it's not my. It's not like I'm just like you know when you're reading a book, that's all you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you can't be. Uh, if you're doing much more, something. it's quite yeah. impressive. <laughs> and I don't like just sitting there and listening to an audiobook and staring out. <laughs> you know. So right. I'm usually doing something else, yeah. whether it be like playing a, a game that's sort of you know mindless just to get footage sure. or, or whatever it is um so i feel like sometimes because of that though i'll miss something you know miss a sentence that's important or, or right just have less focus and you can't easily so go back to it if you miss something yeah yeah um so when it's something i haven't read before i want to give it my entire focus which i just right. won't if i listen to it on an audiobook. Sure. With that said, uh, re-listening to stuff, I love that. Like, I, I will probably not read a book a second time, but I will listen to it <laughs> yeah. on audiobook. I think that like, makes sense, though. Over and over. Yeah, because if you already know what's going to happen, being able to, like, kind of 
predict it like the next line as you're listening to it. Mm-hmm. It feels like a, it's almost like a, it's also just just a different um, uh, medium of of sharing the story. It's similar to like listening to a musical soundtrack and then going back and watching the play, or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm being able to just uh, indulge in different mediums. But also, as you mentioned, like you could do other things while you're listening to it, you know, but audiobooks is kind of a, a medium designed for multitasking so that you can work on something while you listen to other things. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, you know, if you like miss certain things or just even the amount of time it takes, you can read pretty a lot quicker than someone can narrate typically. Right. Unless I'm wrong on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely some reasons for, for, uh, actual books, but, um, do you do you find that you uh you almost like your experience of listening to an audiobook while doing something else shapes the actual experience of the book like might change your feelings towards it in a way cuz i i or even just vice versa to where like if you're playing games while listening to an audiobook does it change your experience when playing a game to the point where maybe you like it more or less or something you know like have you noticed any like specific emotional or feeling difference between the two mediums uh, I mean, t- I can't think of a ton of examples of like things that are cemented in my head of like, I was playing X game and, uh, right. Whatever audiobook I was listening to is now directly connected to it. I, I have that with, you know, other things in life, right? Like I-, I have a vivid memory of me playing uh super Mario galaxy where, well, my like mom gave me some news about our family, you know, like this stuff sure, like that. So sure. I, I have those connections. I, not necessarily with audiobooks. The closest thing I can think of is, uh, um, growing up, like I would, I would listen to the Harry Potter books on tape when I went to bed. So right. I guess listening to that makes me tired. That's the closest thing. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I get to. But, but it's, it's similar to like when you hear music at a, at a, like a happy moment in your life and then you hear it again and it, you know, makes you all nostalgic or sometimes sad moments of your life. You hear music popular at the time. And then when you re-listen to it, it's, it's crazy, but you, you don't find that to be super the effective with books because in books, you just Not too involved much, in, yeah. in the narrative and whatnot to really take in the surroundings. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay, gotcha. Now, the question is, when are we getting the famous uh, Rasputin YouTuber book? Because, uh, you know, YouTubers make books, you know? <laughs> um, I hope if, one day I do write a book. Okay, okay. I was going to say, um, I, was, I could rephrase the question because that wasn't actually the question, but no, let, let's let yeah, you continue. It, it, it will not, the name Rasputin will not be attached to it. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, I, I suppose I could, it would be stupid not to use my platform to promote it, I guess. But yeah, yeah, it, it, it will not be uh, like a, a, a you know, YouTuber book, Jake Paul's book of stories. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and have you so like, um, do you do you find yourself nitpicking a lot of other people's uh, narratives similar to how you kind of. I mean, nitpicking has a negative connotation. I don't mean it in that sense, though, but, you know, kind of nitpicking games and stuff like that. Do you find you do the same thing towards narratives where you take apart small little aspects and you wish that they they fixed it? Or do you feel that, like, when watching movies or something, you know, like, do you, do you find yourself almost borderline cynical when it comes to certain uh, critiques towards uh, narratives? Uh, I used to be. Okay. I think I've I've shifted a bit in how I feel. I mean, I certainly can look at a story and, you know, consider like, all right, I think this was effective and this wasn't. And if I had written it, these are the changes that I would make. And I I think it might be more effective 
sure and, you know try to find a way to explain that other than this is just what i'd prefer right um you know i think i think as time has gone on and i as i've seen more very um uh extreme reactions to different stories right <laughs> um especially over the last like two three years i just i just hit a point where i have to be like well there's a reason that people connect to to a certain story yes. and really trying to find like what it is that people connect to um, and then thinking, still thinking like, yeah, this is what I would have liked to see, but is what I would have liked to see more valuable than right. what you would have liked to see. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean I'll never talk about it. Like I, I, I find that fun. I do find that fun, sure. like coming up with ideas of how I could get a story to work or how I would approach it. Right. Um, but I've certainly, I, I, I wouldn't say cynicism is tied to it at all right. uh, for me at this point. Um, where it definitely used to be, it, it definitely used to be like, wow, story bad. Right. They should have listened. They should listen to me. Random YouTube man. Uh, <laughs> I, I've definitely um, like had that kind of transition as well. I, I used to, um, think a lot more about this, an idea of like, this is the perfect narrative that these stories have to be or whatnot without, like you mm -hmm. said, fully appreciating why other people's connect with it. But at some point, figuring out why other people connect with it is almost more fun than just reaffirming what you already know and why it doesn't connect with you. Right. So I ended up finding mm -hmm. more enjoyment in just trying to understand and appreciate why other people enjoy those angles. Cause I already know my angles super well and I don't know their angles. Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Um, like, uh, you know, I, I, I feel that way with, um, you know, some Marvel movies sometimes. It's not really movies that are made towards me. And I used to be a lot more cynical about it. I used to think like, well, these these are you know, these are trash, you know, they, they're, they're fundamentally flawed and stuff like that, which is just an unnecessary way to think. Right. Unnecessary cynicism. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, I think I think by now I've I've better understood that people have different angles when it comes to things. And um, what, what about like um, uh videos as well like do you do you find it like uh like if you watch other people's video essays or or um any kind of digital content really do you find it like almost uh, uh like as a fun creative exercise to kind of rework it in your head similar to what you do with narratives or do you think it's just a kind of different feeling when watching other people on youtube specifically yeah that's a good question um I think that, I mean, at this point, like I know people, right. <laughs> you know, and I've always known people, right. Like, and it's been at different levels, but you know, I, 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 there's, you get to, when you, when you start making essays, you get to know people in the community, um, of, of all different channel sizes and focuses. Right. Um, you can have conversations with them in different ways and like it, it, it feels and it's usually how channels work is it's like, maybe there's a team behind it, you know, Sure. but it's usually a person at the forefront. Right. So I always feel, I always do. I, I don't know. I, where with a movie, it's easy to be like, okay, well, there, you know, there's, uh, <laughs> there's a, there's always like a studio you can play. In. Right. <laughs> you right. know, what I there's mean? always a company or, uh, or a set of finance that you can totally mm -hmm. point towards while with creators, it feels almost too mutual. Do you think? Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and, and you know maybe maybe there's some hypocrisy there 
that I that I should examine at some point. But I, I don't know. I think I certainly I certainly can watch a video and feel no issue responding with like, yeah, I agree with this take of yours because of this, or I disagree with your take because of this. Um, but I don't find myself being super critical of like the formalities, uh, like how form- it's set yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and- I. I Sorry, go for personally, it. I try not. Yeah, personally, I try not to give criticism on a channel um, in terms of like how they're making stuff. Right. Unless they ask for it. Right. Like if they ask, like, how could I do this differently? Then I'll offer things. But I don't know. I I think. I think uh, if you just like if I were just to leave comments being like, hey, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not an asshole so i wouldn't do it in a mean way (laughs) but you know if even if i did it in a nice way of just leaving a comment being like hey uh appreciate what you're doing here um keep up the good work here are some things i would work on going forward the person who made that didn't ask for it right you know right and 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 like and and that's why i i started doing the feedback streams is because like it's people who specifically want feedback right um they they are asking for me to look and give my perspective on it, um, and, and like nine times out of ten, feedback that comes from results of that of people literally asking for it are going to be, like usually, not only perceived better but also listened to a lot more, right? Than just mm-hmm. random comments on your video. If you get random comment on your video, sometimes you think, what does this guy know? He might know everything. Exactly. But the way you receive it's going to be different. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're going to receive it in a way where you want to hear it. And maybe right. you'll see, hear some things you don't want to hear. And, and that's okay. Right. Uh, that's how it goes. That is. Um, but, but at the same time, it's just like, yeah, it, you're definitely right. You'll be in the headspace where, where you'll be more receptive to it. Whereas like if I put out a video and I'm feeling great about it and then someone leaves a 5,000 word <laughs> comment being like structurally your essay is flawed because you know it's like you know what what value does this bring to right, me right. um and and there could be valuable things in there right but also youtube being the way it is you could get a five thousand word essay saying why your essay was the greatest thing ever or another one saying why it was utterly trash. And you're going to remember so you have to the, like, the, the, the bottom one. You're going to remember. The sure. You're, yeah. You're going to remember the bottom yeah. one for sure. But, but you can still, uh, you know, get these very wide responses right. from A different people. And it's like, yeah, it's who, who should I, who should I listen to? Who, who matter, whose opinion matters right. more. And I think your point of what you just said of you'll remember the negative one. That is what people normally do. Right. Uh, you can you can get a hundred positive comments, and if someone you know says you're an idiot, that is the one you'll remember. Right, for sure. <laughs> the the hundred are gone, and this person sees a truth about you that only you thought you could see, but they see it too, <laughs> which right. means your your armor is cracked, and and you're you're a fraud, yeah. um, and they know. And I think what's hard is it's really easy to hyperfixate on highly negative, highly yes. critical comments. And then I think a I think a thing that a lot of smaller creators uh, fall into, um, and bigger creators do too, is following the advice of people who don't like them or yes, what they make, yeah. <laughs> or even just people who uh, disagree with opinions. You know, so many so many mm-hmm, formal mm-hmm. critiques, even if they're correct critiques, you know, 
um, will come from people just being upset by a specific opinion the creator had and not actually upset by the low quality formalities, right? And, but that's mm-hmm. what sparks the comment a lot of times. And then, yeah, like you said, just a lot of people listen to that and they try to try to capitalize on those specific points when all the pats on the back, those are, you know, suddenly they're nothing. They, you don't even think of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And again, it's not to say that critical comments never have truths in them and that they can sure. never help you. Um, but I think there is certainly an overcorrection where, well, this one person didn't like what I did. These hundred people did, but they're sheep. They, <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> right. Um, which, yeah, I, I think creators are very bad at, um, at like sifting through feedback yeah. sometimes. Oh, well, we didn't have any, you know, YouTube classes. It's not like, um, you know, a lot of people uh, no. don't even have like any kind of art background with when they go into YouTube, right? Especially nowadays, you know, because like you know, YouTube YouTube wasn't around when I was born. Nowadays, people are born where YouTube is around, and they're going to continue to have opportunities to create without having, because you know, in other art forms, and I'm sure as a as an English major, you you had to take uh, at least at some point. Uh, have a, a portion of a class or even if not a whole class dedicated to just taking critique right and and mm-hmm. being able to funnel in what's important what's not important um and uh you know a lot of people just don't have that background so they're kind of they're kind of prone to just uh emotionally reacting to whatever comments are thrown towards them um yeah but yeah no i i uh you know it's it's like the old saying like a, a pat on the back is going to be remembered a lot less than a stab in the back right if you feel a wound Mm -hmm. you're going to feel that much longer but um you know another thing is just that if you if you make video essays like yourself and you release something that you spent like an entire month working on and then someone's upset about specific formal qualities suddenly (laughs) it makes you feel like they're degrading the whole video just to the faults that they Mm -hmm. think you have which is problematic because obviously there's so much more to the video than that especially with something like a video essay right yeah, I, I think uh, even even a more narrow look at that, the the worst comments out there are ones that focus on like something you say that something that takes up three seconds of right. the essay. Yes, <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't believe he liked this game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he said Zelda Two was actually good. <laughs> oh my god, this 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 video essay is invalidated. Right. Um. You know, and and yeah, that that sort of comment um, can can be tough too, because it's like, man, I spent a month making this. Uh, I I did a ton of research. There's a train going by, by the way, so uh, we'll have a little atmospheric. That's okay. Uh, background I, I like special guests. Uh, <laughs> we had a cat on yeah. last time, so you know. nice, yeah. nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, it it's that feeling of like I put everything I had into this, right? And you're responding to the most mundane aspect about this video. Yeah. That isn't the focus. It has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. But that's your takeaway. It's it just <laughs> it's like some dang. random opinion they happen to disagree with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, there's there's no stakes for commenters, you know, um, and just no, of course like not. And, any messages on Internet, on the Internet in general. You could just post something. You don't have any worries about repercussion or even it's even hard to just fully like understand that like you're having discourse with someone because you don't see their face and they don't see yours. So naturally you're just thinking mm-hmm. like you, you're the thought doesn't even cross your mind of actually hurting people for the most part. You know, you have to really train yourself to actually think about the other person 
uh, on the other side because we're used to just seeing a bunch of messages and whatnot. And but yeah, you know, I mean, comment ideology and uh, uh, the problems with text-based communication over the internet and online personalities. That's that could cover its whole podcast, right? And I don't mean to stay on mm-hmm. it forever. Um, but one thing I did kind of want to get into since you brought up maybe a long time ago now, I don't remember what I wanted to ask about it, is uh, you were talking about how you just get to know a lot of other creators or whatnot. Um, who were some of just your inspiring artists when you started making videos? That time I heard uh, it. I heard it that time. This train, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming close. Before it was just in the distance right. where maybe only I could hear it. Uh, do, do you have to jump like, out of the way? Like, is it, it gonna, is it going to get you? <laughs> I I just had to. There, there was a maiden tied up that I had to pick up and carry off of it. Ah, from okay. some dastardly evil man. Right, right. Um, Watch Pat's creative podcast for Resbuton's uh, <laughs> famous train hit. Only here. Exactly. Um, yeah. Some of my some of my influences. Yeah. So I started. I think. Like pathing my getting into YouTube track. It. it uh, as much of a you know millennial as I am, it, it's the Zoomer way of Minecraft is what got me into it. Um, I I don't know. Uh, I heard about Minecraft. I watched a video by this guy called uh, uh, X's X X's no Adventure kidding. in yeah, Minecraft. I, I, I'm aware. I also got into YouTube through Minecraft, so I I know some of yeah. the OGs. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And that introduced me to Let's Plays, where like from there I moved on to some some of the stuff Rooster Teeth was doing. Um, and then from there I moved into Game Grump stuff. So, I, I, you know, a huge early inspiration for sure was Ego Raptor right. um, in terms of like, oh, you can do this, you know, and, and you can be funny and talk about things. Right. Um, so, yeah, going back to my very early content, uh, or my very early videos, I think I do a decent job of somewhat hiding my inspirations. Um, <laughs> but but definitely, you know, I was trying to use game discussions as a path to comedy. Sure. Um, which I think was the wrong take because I, I think I have a lot more to give to game discussions than comedy. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, th- I think if, uh, as I've gone on, I've kind of flipped that where like, you know, comedy when I do use it, which is relatively sparingly, but you know, a few dry comments here and there, uh, throughout videos, like that's just to help push forward the ideas and, and not have it be completely dry. Right. Um, you know, so, so now I use comedy as a way to, when I do to, to push forward my ideas on games where before or early on, it was very much the opposite. And, you know, I think if you look back to the, the older, the older guard, right. Your, your PBGs, um, and and folks like that, like, so, so much of it is, I mean, yeah, if you, if you, I think, I think peanut butter game is a great example of that. It's like, especially his early top tens, like they're funny. Like right. that, that's, that's what they're for is like, they're meant to be funny right. and it's using games as a vehicle it, to exactly, tell jokes. Yeah. Um, what he says about games isn't, isn't the focus. It's never meant right. to be. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of my early stuff kind of reflects that because that's what I was like, this is what stuff should be. Right. Um, but then I think over, over time I kind of took a closer look at what, Ego Raptor had done with the sequelitis series and been like, this isn't about the comedy. Like there are funny jokes in it, right. but 
but the comedy is it's aiding the bigger picture yeah 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 um so yeah transition some from there i think yeah i i think eoraptor and i imagine a lot of people who started around the same time as me uh yeah a big influence definitely for me um and then as time went on i think i i uh, mark brown it's hard not to be influenced by the dude at this point just just consistently game makers toolkit is pulling put it out great essay after great essay right um and 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 raising the bar yeah (laughs) i I think uh mark came out and it was like okay oh i see you all right gotta (laughs) gotta 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 improve what i'm doing it's borderline intimidating to even talk about game Mm -hmm. design when you see some of those videos Mm -hmm. um and then i think i took a lot of inspiration from nerdwriter too i i I think nerdwriter um obviously like the biggest video essay OG ever, right? Right. <laughs> Just the, the original video essay guy um, pioneered pioneered that uh, format. And, and I think I, I definitely got into his work and learned a lot from that. Sure. So yeah, I, I'd say the order, I guess, probably was the first big inspiration was Eagle Raptor, then Nerdwriter, right. then Mark Brown. Uh, also like a lot of smaller channels that I've, you know, had the pleasure to become friends with have inspired sure. me a lot. You know, uh, uh what who's putting stuff out. He, he used to put stuff out under a different channel and, and it's now putting out new stuff. That's great. But, you know, watching his early stuff and, and having conversations with him about things, uh, and video essays helped me a ton. Um, heavy eyed, uh, has been the same sort of way. Right. I'd mentioned earlier, uh, Jesse Grasha, who's done a, uh, editing for me he had a channel that you know made me think about things a lot differently right and and you mentioned uh snow snowman gaming right. he uh in our group because because I've, I've kind of had a handful of people you know that i've been lucky enough to have in my sphere for a while right uh, and snow has always kind of snow was always like the the big channel out of us even when, you know, he had like 5,000 subs, I'm like, oh, Snow, Snow's <laughs> channel is, is so massive in comparison, right. um, uh, which, which 5,000 is a ton. Uh, it's just all about perspective and interesting to see sure. how, how massive we viewed his channel then. And now, you know, he's at like 240,000 subs. Like, right, right. <laughs> it's just so interesting to, to see yeah. how our view of him has not changed, even though his, <laughs> his channel has changed so much. But, uh, right. but he inspired me a ton. His, his good game design uh, series definitely, I think, was a big inspiration for me to do like topic-based essays right. instead, of, instead of like, I'm going to talk about Mega Man X, right. you know? <laughs> well, and, and I think that's what's, what's really interesting is just how much like inspiring artists we pull from when in, in to make some kind of big collective of these random thoughts and ideas and inspirations we pulled from so many different people. And you can like chart back mm-hmm. specific things where it's like, Oh, I saw snow do this, which kind of influenced this uh, small little change in how I've approached content. And then I'm sure like you could chart stuff back to other creators as well. Cause we all take these tiny little aspects from oh, specific yeah. ideas just to make our own thing. And I very much feel For that sure. you, you definitely have your own creative voice too, though. And you're not just, uh, um, you're not just another creator. Right. And I think, I think it's, it's tough. It, 
when you're first starting off because you see the channels that you like and you immediately want to recreate exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, over time, as you see a lot more creators, you're able to really find where your where your preferences lie and where you think you can create the best possible thing in your own style. And I think you've been able to do that. So um, thank you. Thank you. And on that note, uh, we're actually close to wrapping up, so I'm going to kind of finish off with the question that I usually ask everybody, which is, of course, Rasputin, how have you been creatively dealing with everything that's been going on in 2020? Um, I don't mean to pry into any personal things, but specifically, have you felt more creatively inspired, less creatively inspired? Have you been consuming more content or consuming less content? What's been your overall effect by everything going on? Uh, definitely less creatively inspired. Um, I, I think it's been harder to create stuff for a handful of reasons. I mean, a general anxiety. All right, sure. <laughs> like I, you know, I I am already someone prone to a lot of anxiety, so I think to have this elevated state of just a, a lot of uncertainty and unrest and. Um, not having the the same sort of outlets of like, hey, let's go grab a beer right. uh, with friends. You know, uh, having those be gone kind of gives gives less uh, valves to to blow off steam from. Right. Um, and I find myself like then being like, well, I guess I'll work more. Um, but I don't. So so I think I've been working more, but I don't know that I've been more creatively inspired if that makes sense right okay it might sound backwards but like (laughs) no i like i think that makes sense like it's um it's because you have in a way more time to work because of this but Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're having more sparks than ever right and i yeah the reason i like to ask this question is just because everybody has a different response you know it, it always affects people differently some people have felt uh, like it re it re awoke their their creative side because they now had time to do all this stuff. But um, mm-hmm. you know, there's also other people where it's just like everything going on has made it really difficult to find inspiration in in what I make. But um, you know, yeah. So I mean, I think I've definitely fallen on that side a bit. I, I also practically, um, you know, now now my wife has been working from home for the past year. Uh, which, you know, we, we do have a, a two bedroom apartment. So like have our own spaces to work. Sure. But like, uh, you know, there's just in general, then there just becomes, um, more thing like, you know, I can just go out and talk to my wife for a while, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Where like, uh, at least before it was just like, okay, these are the hours I'm going to work. Yeah. Um, I think any sort of work from home for better and for worse, I think there's benefits to it. Uh, right. Is like you don't need to do all your work from nine to five. Right. Um, right. But that does mean your hours of operation are extended, which it, it is good and bad. Right. Um, right. So I guess my point in it is like, I think for some people, this has given them an opportunity to have maybe a little more time. Right. I mean, I, I know a lot of friends who had kind of stop doing stuff on their channel just because you know they were working full-time jobs yeah so yeah. it's like uh, yeah I, I don't have they didn't have as much time to do stuff but now without it for a while and, and without working full-time jobs like they're like okay well what else am i gonna do right uh, i i love making videos so i'm gonna do that yeah um 
Yeah. And, then, and what about so like th- that hasn't been it, you know, for me, because right. this was my my job hasn't changed <laughs> right. at all uh, from this. Uh, just my work environment has. Sure. Which is that now there's, uh, you know, less, less, uh, less structure, I suppose. Right. Well, and, and have you found that you've been consuming more, more like escapism content in a sense? Or have you found you've been watching like less of it or... In general, what's your like uh, media intake kind of been? Um, yeah, we've been watching a lot of dumb shows, <laughs> which like we, my, my wife and I always, you know, will, we always have some show we're watching, sure. but I think in the past it's been like, all right, what's the, what's the best show we can, uh, Breaking Bad, people love that, let's watch that, you know, right. kind of these heavier prestige shows, but then we're like, all right. One Tree Hill, let's go. (laughs) Right. The standards have almost um, shifted a little bit. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Uh, You know, we're watching The Bachelor a bunch. Right. Yeah. It's just like, so I guess in that regard, it's, it's my, my interest to, uh, yeah, to watch a serious drama is like, I'm good. Like, I, 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 I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch to see if this dude gives this girl a rose. That right. sounds like where my brain's at I think right that's now. the ultimate form um, of escapism is watching Bachelor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah, you know, and not to get too heavy on the takes. Um, I think one reason a lot of people didn't like, like, uh, uh, The Last of Us Part Two is like it came out at literally the worst time in the world. Right. Right. It came out in in June when there's there's tons of unrest. Uh, It came out just like a few few months into covid. No one wants a story about the end of the world. Like, you know what I mean? And I know there's other reasons people don't like it, but I think uh, people weren't going to be receptive to it. I I, I found myself, you know, I ended up liking it, but I get why people didn't want to experience meanwhile like that. Something like Animal Crossing comes out at the perfect time and everyone plays it. That's that's the level (laughs) of escapism they were looking for. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So so I'd say in that regard of like uh, certainly I've still played some heavy games and I've still watched some heavy shows and and all that but yeah yeah things that i seek out is more of uh, yeah i think that's a, a a thought that maybe i hadn't put together is things that i'm seeking out to watch and experience are like all right what's the dumbest thing right. i can entertain myself sure. with right now yeah i mean and uh that's that's fair too i i uh i had cheritomo on here and, and she was mentioning how she's been watching a lot more movies that are just absolutely ridiculous because it 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 invokes more excitement right now than watching something mm-hmm. that's structured and, and like you said, dramatic and um, understanding. So yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, but you know, 2020 is over and we're hopefully uh, heading towards better places this year. And I hope that um, inspiration continues to rise for your content. And um, I think with that, we should actually probably start wrapping up. Uh, Raz, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Uh, and I, I thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be here. Uh, would you care to, uh, plug anything you would like to plug or give people an idea as to where they can find you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find me on YouTube mostly just Raz Buten. Um, hopefully that'll be enough. <laughs> uh, You're yeah. You're not going to yeah, spell yeah. out the URL I, I, for us? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, RAs. HTTPS, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you're also... <laughs> I guess uh, if you want some mild to hot takes, I, I have a Twitter, Ooh. the Rasputin, because 
at Rasputin was already taken by someone who hasn't posted on. He's my next guest. I'm bringing him on next. (sighs) Finally, yeah. Tell tell me, uh, tell me, tell me how it goes for Shane. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Uh, And then yeah, I guess I guess Twitch. If you're interested in that too, all all Rasputin, all of it's Rasputin. If you see a guy with a purple background and shirt and a bag on his head, you've, you've probably found the right come place. to the right place. If yeah. it's not the right place, you better run. Thank you all so much for mm-hmm. watching. And uh, thank you guys for supporting me. If you'd like to check out any of these in more concise clips, they're of course uploaded on my YouTube channel. Uh, and then of course you can subscribe. If you'd like to check out more clips and podcasts coming here eventually. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next time. So long.